You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Edition, a podcast where we explore the landscape of the college theater world and try to demystify this daunting audition process. I am, as ever, your host, Charlie Murphy, director of MTCA, that's Musical Theater College Auditions, and today we've got a show that will move us all and live in you for a long time. I'm telling you, it's going to metastasize to your organs until you all can feel the love tonight. I'm, of course, talking about Ray Mercer from The Lion King and 20 Years of It. Um, Such a fun guy and a really great conversation. Uh, We get into the longevity of his career, and he takes us to some truly, truly fun facts of both his life and the show. Um, And, of course, we play a delightful game, as you've come to expect. Um, But before that, here we go, your call to action. I want each of you to reach out to us at mailbag at mappingthecollegeaudition.com. That's mailbag at mappingthecollegeaudition.com to be included in our holiday show coming out in a few weeks. We've got some great questions already that are more general to the process, and you are totally welcome to ask more of those. So any questions you have about you know how the college process works, any opinions or thoughts you want on it from our perspective, etc. We have some of those questions. Those are great. Please feel free to ask more of those. But I also strongly encourage some nonsense, you know, of which we have very little. Most of what we have so far in the mailbag is like serious questions about the process. And again, feel free to uh, get those in. But, you know, do you want to ask me questions about my life, about fatherhood, about my obsession with the television show Survivor? Do you want some softball war stories from the Broadway Show League? All topics are open, including questions for our intrepid Megan, um, anyone who wants to know what it's like to put up with me all of the time, how the woman tries to keep me on a schedule. She's a hero and I think needs to be applauded. So again, that's serious questions. Please feel free to do that. Silly questions, fun comments, suggestions for the pod, guests you love, guests you hated, which guests you want to see more of. Let us know. Um, okay, enough of that. I hope all of you are gearing up for some really happy and healthy holidays. I also want to give a little bit of love to those who posted that Spotify wrapped, you know, um, wrapped with a W um, in terms of like the end of the year stuff. That was so cool to see how many of you had us as your number one podcast. Uh, Really touched by that. Um, I think it was almost like 100 people who we were the number one podcast to listen to more than anything else, which I was like, oh my God. Um, And just in general, all of our listenership has really increased over the past year. And I just want to say thank you and what a credit it is to all of you, right? It is your ears and your attention, your ratings and your reviews, which, you know, you can keep getting those in. I'm nothing wrong with more ratings and reviews. And for those of you who shared it with friends and colleagues, it's such a help to us as we grow our audience. So thank you. Thank you. I'm very grateful for that. Okay, let's get to it. This interview with Ray Mercer. Hello, podcast listeners. This is your producer, Megan Cordier. I'm not coming to you with another Lion King pun, but an additional call to action, which Charlie Murphy regretfully left out of this episode. So in the spirit of keeping our host in line, I'm dropping my own line to say we have officially launched our own Instagram feed. For exclusive podcast content, please go follow Mapping the College Edition. That is Mapping the College Edition. This will be a direct line to Charlie and I and all things podcasts, so feel free to DM us those mailbag questions that you may have and want to include on our New Year's Eve episode. And we have some fun stuff up there already, so please pause this episode and click that follow button. I'm waiting. Alrighty, back to our regularly scheduled programming. Well, we are so excited to have Ray Mercer on the pod. Ray is an actor, dancer, choreographer. Um, He started his dance training at the University of New Orleans, where he has a BA in psychology. Uh, He spent two years on the national tour of The Lion King before becoming, wait for it, a 20-year veteran cast member of the Broadway production. Um, As a choreographer, he's worked with all kinds of dance companies all over the country, including some fun stuff like the Harlem 
Globetrotters, which is not a dance company, but I think it's cool that he worked for them. Um, and he's won awards like the 2012 Joffrey Ballet Choreographers of Color Award. He's a five-time winner of Broadway's Gypsy of the Year Award for Best On Stage Performance and the most celebrated choreographer at BCEFA's annual fundraising events, which is what Elizabeth immediately commented on when I said, we're going to have Ray on the pod. She was like, oh my God, he's like legendary at the Broadway <laughs> Oh my I'm like, I love, we love it. Um, Ray, welcome to the pod. How are you doing? Thank you so much. I'm great. I'm fantastic. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's such a, a pleasure. Um, I, I want to take you all the way back. And I don't okay. say all the way back to age you in any way, but let's say you're 16, 17, okay. and you're thinking about this process. And we've dropped some numbers, so they know it's at least 20 years of a Broadway career, so they can okay. a little <laughs> bit of math. Um, but when you were thinking about this and you're, you know, what you were envisioning of this dream of where you were going, what did that look like to 16, 17-year-old Reyes as you maybe first started thinking about college? Okay. Um, first of all, Charlie, the 16, 17-year-old Ray was all over the place. I was born and raised in Omaha, Nebraska, in the Midwest. And I, um, fun fact, I was going to be a gymnast. I was on my way. I was training to be in the Olympics. So I started out as a gymnast in, um, in um, junior high and high school. Um, I eventually, 17, as a matter of fact, bringing up 16, 17, um, a friend of mine took me to a dance class. And that uh -huh. one singular dance class, I absolutely fell in love with dance. So um, that's the first dance class at seventeen. You'd never taken as a as a no child. No dance class, class whatsoever. Unbelievable. You know, I would bebop around the house all the time, but um, it was it, that was my first formal training. Um, mm -hmm. And it was a small studio too. I was seventeen year old, and I was as, taking classes with you know a bunch of nine year olds and and pink tutus. <laughs> And you're crushing them. You're like, you, you nine-year-old, I'm, I'm doing much better than you. Come on. Right. Yeah, I can know all this stuff. But she told me if I continued to come that she would give me free classes. So um, 17 mm. years old was my very first formal training and introduction to dance. Um, but, you know, my parents didn't have very much money, so I had to pay my way through college, you know, through scholarships. Uh -huh. And it started off with, you know, I had some gymnastic scholarships. And full disclosure, I, I, had, I did a year at the University of Nebraska. And mm -hmm. the only way that I could, you know, even fathom paying through college um, was to be a cheerleader. So I was a cheerleader so I could get a scholarship. Heck, yes. You know, I spent a year there and then I eventually ended up at the University of New Orleans. So and where where does the beginning of like... I think, so, I mean, obviously gymnast to some extent is a performer already, but right. as you're going, I have these performance skills and these obviously athletic skills that you still use today. When did it start thinking like, Hey, I might be able to use this professionally as a performer. Like, you know, whether, whatever that looked like, it could be Cirque du Soleil or it could be, but when did you start thinking, Hey, I think I could get, you know, paid to perform and have people watch me. You, that is a fantastic question. You know, uh, Charlie, it happened very, it clicked very early on for me um, because of, you know, my gymnastic training. So dance came very easy to me, you know, the mm -hmm. flexibility, the strength, you know, I just had to make sure that I, I got the formal training and I knew probably my freshman sophomore year in college. I knew that I, I, although I was pursuing my degree in psychology, I knew for a fact early on that I was going to be a dancer. I knew it, hmm. you know, that it, it came you know, I it, it, I hate to say it like this, but, you know, my psychology degree was always secondary. I would do my homework and then go straight to dance. Totally. I, I minored in dance when I was at the University in uh, New Orleans because they didn't have a dance major. So mm -hmm. I got my degree in psychology and just pursued my career in dance. And then what about, you know, so many of our, our students are like thinking about, okay, I want to be a triple threat. I need to be an incredible actor, incredible singer, incredible dancer, where they're kind of trying to work toward all of those disciplines. What about those aspects of performing? Like, did you think, hey, I, if I'm going to be a dancer, I also need to take some acting classes. I also need to be able to sing. Like, w what elements of that were re relevant as you were thinking about, hey, I might want to be a Broadway dancer? Yeah, you know what? It's, it's so, it's, it's especially nowadays, you, you, you see so many talented young, young performers who are, are doing all three very well. But my concentration was dance. And mm -hmm. it just so happened that um, Lion King when you audition for Lion King, they are specifically looking for trained dancers. That's exactly, mm -hmm. that's exactly what they're looking for. So, but, but my advice to 
musical theater, you know, the musical theater programs are fantastic nowadays that they make sure that you're getting all the training that you need in, in, in dance, um, and, and acting and also the vocal skills. I, um, I spent a whole lot of time in universities and I spent some time in the theater programs and training the young dancers there. They are, they are phenomenal. You know, they, they're mm -hmm. making sure that they really are prepared for if they decide to pursue a career in theater, that they're really prepared. And you mentioned your parents uh, didn't have a lot of money. What was their experience of, as you said, like, hey, I think I might want to be a performer. I might want to be a dancer. I might want to make this living. And uh, what were they like, get that degree in psychology? We don't know how that's going to work. Or are they like, no, we're totally for it. If you can figure it out. Yeah. How, how were they sort of supportive? You know, yeah, they, you know I, I, I think growing up in Nebraska, they really, there, there wasn't a lot of, especially people of color that were doing anything like I was doing. So it was mm -hmm. kind of, you know, it was kind of, I guess it was kind of odd to them, but they, they read my passion. They knew how passionate I was about it. And they were, they've been supportive of it, you know, from the very beginning, maybe not understood it, but uh -huh. they, they were very, very supportive. And okay, so now you graduate from school, you've got your, you know, well-worn minor in dance, you've got your, your BA in psychology. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about, so now you're going to take this journey and, and eventually end up in the national tour and then eventually Broadway company of, of Lion King. Talk to me about those first couple of years out of school as you're figuring it out. Okay. Okay. Fun fact. Here's another fun fact. I um, graduated, once I graduated from, um, I was in New Orleans and I had no money and I had student loans and I said, oh my God, what am I going to do? And a cheerleader, and a different I, kind of cheerleader, right? <laughs> and then I cheer for the New Orleans Saints too, as a professional um, cheerleader too. But yeah, that is that actually awesome. true? I was totally guessing. Right? I no, 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 no. I did that as yes, soon as I got it. down there. That's the first thing right. I auditioned for. I I, you know, I had to pay my way through college. And um, yep. once I graduated, I I said, "Oh my God, what am I going to do?" And and my very first job that I ever ever um, interview for was for a flight attendant and uh -huh. I strategically did that because I had to figure out how I was going to um get to New York get to all these <laughs> auditions right get to New York so and take smart. Class, You're like, I gotta get there <laughs> so I became a flight attendant it was one of the best things I ever did because once I got it I was able to fly anywhere I wanted to for mm -hmm. any audition I would I would read backstage, find out that they were having an audition. I would fly to New York and do the audition, and then fly back home. So it was it was just the best way to get around, do you know, see the world, and also be able to take class and audition. That is truly a fun fact. Normally, people tell me fun facts. I'm like, all right, is it that fun? That is fun. I, I really yeah. I, that's a great uh, survival job. Well, did did you have to do any other things, or were you mostly flight attendant until now booking this? Yeah, that was I it. Was, I was mostly a flight attendant, and then um, I was living in Detroit and eventually Chicago at the time. But I was dancing in dance companies. I would get off the plane, go to rehearsal. You know, I was doing mm -hmm. that for a long time, four or five years before um, I was in Chicago. And we found out that Lion King was coming to, you know, having auditions in Chicago. So I auditioned. Um, and another fun fact, it was probably a hundred guys there at that audition. And everybody knew about it. It was in every dancer in Chicago knew about it. And um, mm -hmm. by the end of the day, um, there were five of us left. And I said, oh Ooh. my God, this could be really real for me. Ooh. And at the end of the audition, before we left, they asked us, could anybody tumble? And bingo. That You're was like, my cheerleader my here. Team. We got a cheerleader over here. Yes, Come on, right. let's go. I can tumble. <laughs> Thank you. So, um, Too fun. yeah, it was like in 2003 when I landed my audition for Lion King. And you haven't looked back. In that, tell me about that audition specifically. So was that truly a dancer only audition? You, they didn't make you sing at all? They didn't make you read any sides? They didn't make you do... It was, hey, I'm. you're just here for the dancing and, and then again, some of those physicality tricks. Which, by the way, Ray is like the giraffe in Lion King, among many other things. But he's one of the people with the huge 14 foot tall yeah. stilts and all those things. So, but so is it, was it just looking for that or did they make you do anything else as well? Yeah, and see, and this is where the training... Um, you know, all 
the musical theater training comes in because they do, they absolutely do ask you to sing. Um, that audition was, it was one of the hardest auditions I ever, I've ever done because one, I wanted it so bad and it was just, they wanted to make sure that they had the top dancers in the country mm -hmm. to do it. So mm -hmm. it, it was long and rigorous. And then at the end of the physical part of the audition, we, um, we all had to go sing. And another fun fact, I walked into the audition not prepared as I should have been. And I didn't have, you know, they ask you to sing 16 bars of music. Uh -huh. I was not prepared. I sang happy birthday. <laughs> oh, no. I did. Right. This is not advice. This is not this advice. Is this is not advice. Not advice. Happy birthday, even though it works. Be prepared. And going back, that young boy, I would, have, I would have been way more prepared than I was. But, uh -huh. but fortunately, I got through the dance part. You're not taking voice lessons at that point or anything. Is that something that you eventually then said, hey, I'm going to take, take some voice lessons or I'm going to try to expand this a little bit more? Absolutely. Once I got into the show, um, I had access to composers and singers. And, and you know, and I mm -hmm. was able to take class while I was, while I was doing the show. And it, it seemed like, unless you'd already been choreographing beforehand, it seemed like also within the run of the show, you got to really expand and, and now create this choreography career. How does that happen? And, and, you know, we'll talk a little about the longevity in the second half, but it's just like, how does that happen within the context of a long running show? Like you're still performing eight shows a week. So how are you then able to, you know, be this award-winning choreographer? Absolutely. I, um, I always pride myself. I, I love being the hardest working person on Broadway. And, and I've been very fortunate where I've been able to have this dual career, you know, being a performer and, and a choreographer. And both those things are very, very important to me. Um, one of the advantages that I have is the fact that I have access to anything I want in that theater. Mm -hmm. Dancers and composers and wardrobes and carpenters and, and anything I want, I have access to. And they are some of the best in the world. So I am extremely fortunate. And I knew early on that I had to take advantage of that. So I was always getting dancers together. Will you, will, could you do this project for me? Or mm -hmm. you know, finding composers with music. Would you mind writing this quick little score for me? So um, early on, I took full advantage of all the, all the things that I had uh, available to me. And is the show giving you time off? Like if you need to go choreograph, I saw something where you like did something for Theater Aspen. Or you did, yeah. I was like, so then the show's giving you a couple of weeks off to go do that? Yeah, absolutely. And because that's, I've been there awesome. for so long and I've developed a relationship with, you know, with the company, whenever I ask, they, they give me the time off to go choreograph. I use all my personal days, all my vacations, mm -hmm. anything I can muster up to make sure that I'm able to do both careers very well. It's so cool. And then within the show, so how does it work? In, so that's sort of, you know, growth while you're in the show outside, but within the show, you know, I, I imagine you didn't, you weren't hired and already were the fight captain, right? So how does some of that stuff happen where you grow within the show itself of going, I'm going to take on additional responsibilities or do you start covering more roles or then maybe eventually fewer roles where you go like, all right, now I'm, you know, how does that work in terms of your changing in the 20 years of the show? Yeah. I, um, it's funny. I, um, probably five years in, I had been there probably about five years and they just approached me and the person that was doing that was fact captain was leaving the show and they approached mm -hmm. me and they asked me, Ray, is this something that you would be interested in? You know, we think that you'd be great at it. So I did, I've been fight captain probably for about 15 years now, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and it's, it's really good because I, I'm responsible for maintaining all the fights in the show, make sure that, you know, it, they're safe, and we're keeping up with the integrity of it. So, yeah, it's fun. Super cool. I often forget that I do it. You know, the only time I really have to use it, if, you know, if something crazy happens within the show or somebody new is uh -huh. coming in and we have to teach uh -huh. it. But um, they, you know, first thing you they just, So you don't have to show up to fight call every night? They're, at this point, you're like, ah, we're, we're yeah, over. Yeah, I think they're good. Yeah, they're, they're, they're good. If they run into any <laughs> issues, if they run into the, any issues, they'll, they'll call me. They'll say, Ray, okay, we're having this issue, and I'll, I'll come in and, and straighten things out. Well, I am dying to get into the longevity side of things. So we're going to take a short little break. We're going to run a couple ads, and on the back end, we're going to talk a little bit more about the longevity of Ray's career. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo, and we lost track of time. 
No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. All right, we are back with Ray Mercer, and we're going to talk about. The length of his career. I always want to make a length and like a giraffe joke together, but I'm just trying to avoid doing <laughs> you know, a long giraffe. I, I want to talk a little, we talked with uh, Cameron Adams about, you know, because she's done so many different Broadway shows, you know, for such a, a long period of time of just what it is to maintain your body eight shows a week. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like a, often we'll talk about, you know, LeBron James says he spends a million and a half dollars on his body a year at, you know, he's like 36 years old, you know, he has to perform three times a week. He doesn't have to do eight shows a week and what, you know, you have to put yourself through. What are you doing on a daily, weekly basis to kind of maintain your physical health and also uh, your emotional mental health? Uh, That is, that's one of the subjects I love to talk about because um, I am very serious about how I, there's no way in the world, no way in the world that I would be able to do this particular show for 20 years if I didn't take care of my body. It's just, there mm-hmm. is just absolutely no other way. Um, before I had this, you know, I came on here, I just ran five miles. I make sure that I'm in the gym um, five days a week. Um, I, I take classes still, you know, those things are crucial to um, the maintenance of the show, being able the maintenance of your body so that you're able to do the show. But it's, it's, I, it's imperative that I stay in the gym, that I have a proper warm up before my show and, um, cardio is important too. So I, mm-hmm. I take it very seriously. Um, every day I'm, I'm doing absolutely doing something for my body, PT massages, those things so that uh-huh. I'm able to do eight shows a week for 20 years for 20 years and what about the mental side of it i mean so many athletes talk about that that it's actually not their body breaking down it's almost like their will to keep training at that level they're like i know what it needs to keep me maintaining at the this level you know through the summer through the off season always 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 and that sort of mentally they're like at some point i can't keep that up how do you keep the drive and how do you keep the hunger that you ran five miles before doing this podcast and doing a show tonight and how, how do you keep that that motivation up i guess yeah, it's so funny. I, you just mentioned off season that you know the dancers. We and the dancers always talking in the dressing room about how you know we're athletes, and but we don't get an off season. We do mm-hmm. not. I, I I wish I had an off season where we could rest mm-hmm. our bodies so and rest our minds. And the mental aspect is is serious. So I have to strategically take whether it's ten minutes out of the day or an hour out of the day where I'm absolutely doing nothing, nothing physical, mm-hmm. n- um, n- nothing that pertains to the show, nothing choreographically, whether I also, I have a dog and I always, and the, one of the most important parts of my day is to walk my dog in the morning, that hour of day where it's mm-hmm. just me and, and him. And it, it really, I just have to be strategic about how I um, approach how I approach, you know, my mental part of it, because it, it, it's crucial. If you, if you don't yeah. have the mental stamina up to, to get up and, and, and sign in and do a three hour show, which is physically and mentally draining, then you, you won't have the sustainability. Well, we talk about with our students a lot, you know, cause they're doing so many things. They're going to school while they're training for college, while they're preparing, you know, and just how you avoid that burnout of, you know, you mentioned you're doing, if I'm choreographic on your vacation days, I'm like, when are you getting your vacation? Like, yeah. when do you, you know, how do you, that's mm-hmm. really, but I mean, it's interesting that kind of meditative hour of, of, yeah, of what that, that is. And, yeah. um, and I, I haven't had a vacation in years. I can't remember last time I had a vacation, but when I do, I've, you mentioned earlier, I choreographed in Aspen for, uh, I choreographed Jersey Boys in Aspen 
and it was such mm-hmm. a beautiful place. And I, when I was there, I made sure that I had time to myself. And, you know, that mm-hmm. even though I'm working, I take those little, little breaks where I can, you know, have time for myself. That's what I tell Elizabeth all the time. I was like, our life is a vacation. Why do we need a vacation? Every day with you is a vacation, my love. Uh, um, I want to talk a little bit about how do you keep things fresh and interesting? Mm-hmm. And obviously interesting might be a high bar for a show for 20 damn years. But how do you continue to challenge yourself? How do you, you know, I would think many of our high school and college listeners will have never done a show more than 15 to 20 times ever. And right. I don't know if you've done the math, but I did the basic math of like, okay, if you've been in the show for 20 years, you've done like over 8,000 shows. I mean, yeah. it depends on how many you miss, but basically 8,000 shows. I mean, yeah. I've never done more than 150 shows in a time. Like, yeah. I mean, 8,000 is insane. So, so what do you do? How do you keep it interesting for yourself? Or are you just totally on autopilot up there? No, uh, no, it's never autopilot for me. Never, never autopilot. But, um, and it's, it's close to 8,000 shows that I have done and, you know, through my career, um, I, I do all the tumbling in the show and they did the math the other day and I've probably done close to 40,000 back handsprings and, you know, in my career in the Lion King. It's crazy. Ray, I did some quick math. I've done zero of them in my life. So that's just where, that's just, we're both good at math. That's good. We got it. It's crazy. 40,000. That's amazing. Yeah, it's, it's insane. But you know, one, it's two things for me. The first thing is that I am so fortunate to be part of a show that is a phenom. I mean, there's no other show like Lion King. Mm-hmm. And to see that out of those 8,000 shows that I've done, every single last one of them are sold out, where you can walk into a sold out audience for 20 years, and it, it just, it's just unheard of. And yep. that is one that, you know, I've, I've never take that for granted. You know, to see the audience, see there are, we say this all the time, there are always somebody, at least a thousand people in the audience who have never seen the show before. You know, they uh-huh. are going to experience uh-huh. this for the very first time. And it's my responsibility to make sure that they, you know, get what they pay for. I always, before mm-hmm. I stand up on that giraffe and walk out stage left, I always say to myself, there are thousands of people out there who have never seen this show before. And mm-hmm. it's up to me to give them an experience. And they paid a lot of money. And two, mm-hmm. three things actually, it, and two, it's it's my job. You know, it's, it's what, just like if I were a lawyer, it's my responsibility. It's what I get paid for. So, you know, I have to deliver. And three is the people. I work with mm-hmm. some great people and who are talented, some of the best in their business. And, you know, who gets to go to work every day and play around and jump around and have fun <laughs> with a bunch of people that you really enjoy. So it, it, that, that makes it easier. The, the physical part. I mean, also the cheerleaders get to do that. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm just realizing now as you're talking, I was like, I saw Lion King a little less than 20 years ago, which means I almost certainly saw you in it. When I was in Absolutely. high school, I saw Lion King, Yeah, which would have been yeah. you. That's, that's crazy. I just was like, oh my gosh, yeah, I guess it's been under 20 years. Yeah. Wow. Um, this is a terrible segue, given the seriousness and the beautifulness of everything you just said. Okay. But I just want to know, in the course of the 20 years, were there ever some shenanigans backstage? Oh. Were there ever some little messing around any onstage shenanigans of okay secretly while we were dancing the draft was actually you know mooning the whatever like was any of that kind of stuff or was it all very heck yeah are you kidding me heck yes we have you know there's you know without sacrificing the integrity of the show but most of the the fun part is the backstage stuff you know the mm-hmm. things that we do backstage we play games you know it's it's um that's one of the things that is so, you know, I look forward to you when you go to work, when you're tired, is that you can guarantee in that dressing room. Oh, my gosh. Forget about it. Mm. It's, it's a party. I always feel like any any actor in a freeze on stage is always deadly of like, oh, no, something's going to happen. Is there yeah. a freeze on stage somewhere? Someone's playing some kind of game with someone. I got yeah. caught once. I got called out by a director and they're like, I don't know what's happening back there, but it needs to stop. Yes. Like, okay, yep. we're, we're going to stop that game. Okay. Yep. That's not going to happen anymore. And it's usually, it's usually not advising this out there. Yeah. Not advising it at all. It's usually that we're, we're so loud backstage, stage manager. I'm like, you guys have to be quiet. It's too loud back here. It's too loud back here. Um, there's a beautiful moment happening between Simba and Ian. You're like, uh-huh. yeah. You want to know another fun um, fact, Charlie? 
I um, you better believe I do, Ray. Uh, it was my um, second year. It was my maybe three years. I had been three years on Broadway, and it was my birthday. I'll never forget this. And we were um, at the theater at the men's golf, and they have dry ice on the stage. And uh, back then, here we go, back then, but I guess it is back then. But back then, the dry ice was, it was wet. You know, and they always said, you know, the dry ice is a little wet, you have to be careful. So I am walking in front of 1,700 people. I get halfway across the stage, and my front leg slid. And I was like, oh, my God, this is it for me. I'm going down. So I took another step and I went down center stage, slid the whole entire 14 foot giraffe, fell on stage. <laughs> Here we are, the middle of the circle of life, the biggest number in the show. There is a dead giraffe <laughs> laying in the middle of the stage. And and they always told me, I was like, oh, I'm a gymnast. I, you know, I would, that will never happen to me. Da, da, da. I have, I'm too strong for all of that. I'm laying in the middle of the floor. And because you're strapped in, there's no way you can get out. So a stagehand had to take me by my uh -huh. legs and drag me off the stage <laughs> in the middle of Circle of Life. And the last thing you saw was my head sliding off stage right. Happened on my birthday, April 5th. Uh, what are you doing? Are you giving jazz hands? Are you playing actively dead? How are you embracing the situation? It was that audible gas that got me. I mean, I was fine, but when you hear that audible gas when you hit the floor, it was, it, I, I was terrified. I just love to think there's some audience members, things that's like a normal part of Lion King. They were like, what about in Circle yeah, of Life was, when that giraffe died? I mean, was that supposed to happen? Oh, that's really sad. <laughs> people are like, I don't think that's a part of the show. They're like, I, sw I saw it on Broadway. They, it's a change from Broadway production. <laughs> giraffe down. Giraffe down. Um, what's next for you? What's the, do you have a, you know, of course, we're still, still in the show, but is there a big post-Lion King, if Lion King were to disappear tomorrow? Um, is there, do you have a dream of what the next big step in your career would be? Yeah, I do. But Charlie, you got a job for me? You want to be a podcast host? Let's get on this. <laughs> Come on. No, I um, like I mentioned earlier, because I really have been fortunate to do this dual career that soon as I'm done with Lion King, and I, I don't know when that is. I've never picked a date, and because of that, maybe that's why I've been there for so long. I've never, you know, I just said that mm -hmm. I would stay until, you know, as long as I was having fun and my body was, you know, good, I, I you know, I would stay. But when that day does come, I, you know, I've been a choreographer, you know, I've, I've been able mm -hmm. to network and establish a name for myself. So, you know, I, I just want to continue to pursue my career as a choreographer. You know, your experience seeing Broadway up close as a person of color for the last 20 years, what has been your experience of some of the ways Broadway has or hasn't changed in that time? Uh -huh. Maybe especially with this the increased advocacy in 2020 after the murder of George Floyd. But I just would love to hear about, you know, what the past 20 years have been and then what the experience of like coming back post pandemic and how the world has shifted or hasn't shifted as, as might be expected. Yeah. Uh, great question. And I'm glad you asked it. You know, I, I, I can segue with this, with a quick story. I, um, my aunt lived here in New York. And I was coming to visit my cousin for the summer. And she took me to my very first Broadway show. It was a tap dance kid. And it changed my life forever because I was able to, for the first time, see people doing things that I wanted to do that looked like me. Mm -hmm. And I think it's, mm -hmm. it's so important because I think it probably at that moment, um, was my decision that, oh, I, I know I can do this. And if I do it, it will look like that. Um, that was at the Minskoff Theater. Fast forward hmm. many years later, I'm on that same stage in the biggest hmm. Broadway show in history at that same Minskoff Theater. I can look in the audience. I remember where I sat. I remember what hmm. it felt like. And for me to be at that theater where I saw my very first Broadway show, for 20 years, it really, it, it's impactful and it's important. So I think the biggest takeaway is that for, especially for young people of color who are pursuing this, their career, I think my responsibility and the responsibility of my, my cohorts is that, that they see themselves on stage. You know what I mean? Because that's the first step of, of knowing that, knowing the possibility. And, mm -hmm. and looking at it now, I think it's, um, it's, it's, it's on its way, you know, and I, 
and I make sure that there's representation in the front of the room because that's where it starts with the directors and choreographers and casting agents and all of those, you know, they as performers and people that are auditioning, they have to see that too, you know, to know that mm -hmm. they are supported and represented. I think it's, it's, it's so important. And I think to answer your question, the very first step is to be, is to see themselves. You know, we have to see ourselves on stage. Have you seen any growth in the past? You know, I think uh, during the pandemic, there was a lot of um, statements that people said, we're going to change. This is going to be a big difference. You know, you had the experience of being there right up until the pandemic. And then afterward, have you seen a shift in the past year and a half? I mean, I know it hasn't been a ton of time since we've been back, but have you felt things moving in the right direction? Or do you feel like it's like, oh, we're pretty much keeping on where we're keeping on? Yeah, no, I, I, I do see a shift. And, and I... Uh, and on a personal level, I, I know now that it's, you know, some of that responsibility is, is mine, being a choreographer. And, you know, and I think that, you know, it, I try, you know, the best I can is to lead by example. And, yeah, to answer your question, yeah, I, I, I do see some shift. There's a lot of work to be done, but, you know, there, it's baby steps. And I think that we are, are mm -hmm. trying and I'm going to continue to try to move in the right direction because representation is crucial. What about during the pandemic in general? You know, I had this odd experience of, of following alongside Jagged Little Pill because, you know, it was all about the Tonys. Is it, is it going to come back? And what does this uh -huh. mean? You know, so the cast was certainly staying together, but it was a very different experience of a show of like, will it come back? You know, who knows? And, you know, there's that that whole you must have known Lion King was going to come back. Like, right. but what was the experience of castmates going, do we stick with it? Or, you know, how did people, did people stay really close to the pandemic? Was it like, I'll see you whenever I see you? Or how did that, that work for the Lion King cast? No, we had check, check in sessions, you know, even if it was just with the cast members, we would check in probably once a month or once every two months um, during the pandemic. And we knew at least, you know, through those check-in sessions that everybody would come back. What we didn't know what, what was what it would be like, you know, you know, coming back after two, a year and a half, two years, mm. what it was going to do us, to us mentally, what it would do to us physically, you know, would I be able to do a show after, you know, a year and a half, uh -huh. two years? You know, there was always that doubt. Um, it wasn't until that first rehearsal when we were in the room and... We, we did a read-through of the show that I knew that I was, and my castmates, we knew that we were in the right place at the right time. And we knew uh -huh. that it was going to be a rough road ahead. But but it once we got in there, it, it was like, oh, God, riding a bike. I hate to say it, but it was it was like riding a bike. <laughs> Just my like body. riding a giraffe. Yeah, riding a giraffe. And was it any kind of restful off-season moment? You said, I haven't had 18 for 18 years, 19 years at that point. You hadn't had an off-season. Was it like, oh, my God, I actually get to rest my body and rest my Hell mind? Or was it yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> it was a horrible time for so many different reasons, but I thoroughly enjoyed it. I was, you know, it was, I had to maintain some things, you know, physically, but having that time off to reflect and and i think mm -hmm. it was it, it was good for me you know mm -hmm. i know some friends who had a, it was a rough road for them but for me i i thoroughly enjoyed it it's, it's a complicated experience i mean obviously it's awful from a nationwide perspective but i'm like i had a baby during the pandemic i'm like this was joyous like it was you, you, know, like this weird, you know it's like i had a baby can you believe it wow yeah, daughter you know, it's like, like, I'm like, I thank God, because I probably wouldn't have if not for the pandemic, because she would have been in the show. And, you know, it's like all this, this confluence of the way life works, you know, one yeah. bad thing doesn't necessarily lead to bad things for everyone. And yeah, it's yeah. complicated. Sometimes you have to pivot. Pivot. I agree. Ray, we're going to pivot to a very special game. I didn't warn you. I often warn our guests. Oh, my but God. But all of our guests get a, some kind of special game. Oh, made my up God. Oh, them. my God. And this is a very simple game. Sometimes I go really cruel that I make up incredibly impossible games. This is a simple Lion King trivia game. If I flunk this game after being in the show for 20 years, it's going to be horrible. It's going to be horrible. You will not get an offer to be a podcast host in the Charlie Murphy Podcast Network. It won't happen if you don't book this. Okay, Ray, here we begin. This is not so hard, the first question. The Lion King, as we've mentioned, is by far the highest grossing musical of all time with approximately $1.7 billion gross. Pretty good, right? You were like, oh, that's the question. You knew that answer. How many other Broadway musicals have grosses that begin with a B? 
So how many other Broadway musicals have grossed over a billion dollars? Oh my God, okay. How many do I have to name? Oh, my heart is beating, Charlie, my heart is beating. <laughs> okay, so listen, we have to think about longevity, right? Who's yes, been there longevity. forever? Okay, okay Who's so- Who's been there the longest? Okay, so it would have to be, okay, these are not my answer, but I'm just flushing out some answers. So Chicago's been there for a long time. Chicago's been there. Phantom's well. been yeah. there for a long time. Sure and has. Wicked's been there for a long time. For sure. My answer is going to be, it has to be Phantom. It, Phantom is one of them. Phantom is one of the two. There's one more. Ding, 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 ding. Okay. Okay, Chicago. And that's a great guess. Those are the two longest running, Phantom and Chicago, but it's Phantom and Wicked. You said it, Wicked, you said it beautifully, Wicked. Phantom and Wicked. Because okay. it's a combination of ticket price versus length. That was a really good answer, even okay. though slightly incorrect, very good. Okay. okay. Here's <laughs> another, this is okay. going to involve some math. We're going to yeah. use that BA and, and work it a little bit. You are already the third longest running show of all time behind Chicago and Phantom. Assuming Chicago shutters right after Phantom does, how many years of performances would it take to catch up? So how many years are you away from Phantom in performances? Five. Ooh, it's a great guess. Almost 10 or 9.6 years. It's pretty good. Okay, pretty okay, okay, okay. How okay. many different Lion King films have there been, including remakes and sequels? How many different, this is according to Wikipedia, different Lion King related films have there been? Okay, so there was, of course, the Lion King. There was a Lion King mm -hmm. 2 where Simba did something, yep. right? Um, yep. There was also the um, the one with where Beyonce was Nala. So <laughs> that's that, right. That's three. Black is King, for sure. Black yep. is King. Uh, th that's three. Um, is there one more? I'm going to say four. Four is such a good guess. You, I'm giving you credit for four. It's five is the answer because there's a 2019 remake, right? They like redid it in 2019, like half live. And then there's one called 1.5, which I'm like, I didn't hear of this. Lion King 1.5. What's a 1.5? It's a great movie. You know that one? You sure knew that 1.5? Megan knew it. So then it counts. Megan knew it. She says it was real. Oh my God. Sorry, it's more geared for her, her age. Charlie, they're going to fire me. I haven't got any of these right. No, they're not. They're not. You're doing great. You're showing a lot of knowledge. I just like that you, you captioned Lion King 2, where Simba does something. Okay. But the reason I got that answer that was because I looked up this question because I was so interested in this. There is a planned 2024 movie helmed by what Oscar-winning director? Oscar-winning director. There's a hint. This is also the director of Moonlight. Oh, director what's his Moonlight. name? Um, um. Ray's just quickly Googling. I love Moonlight, too. Um, what is his name? Barry um, Jenkins is his name. Barry Jenkins. What are the chances? But also, like, who would think those two things would come together? Moonlight and The Lion King. I can't wait. Right. Okay, we're going to... We're going to give you a layup now. We've given some hard ones. The okay. Lion King won how many Tony Awards in the original production? How many Tony Awards did Lion King win? Oh, my God. I think. I, I, He's done it. I think. I think. I think. It, I always think. I always thought it was 11. It's not. I think it's six. Six when, is correct. Six is correct. When you said 11, I was worried for you. I was like, we're not going to get down from 11 to six. But you did. Six is correct. Weirdly, strike out for the actors, right? We got choreography, costume design, direction, lighting, scenic design, and best musical. The yep. actors got nothing, which is- The actors got shocking. nothing. Really unfair. Um, okay. My last question for you is for my daughter. Okay. Because she has this wonderful book called Giraffes Can't Dance. Okay. That she oh, loves. my God. It's a beautiful book. Is it giraffe? It goes to the thing. It like everyone make all the animals make fun of it because the whatever the gorillas are doing a cha cha and all the and the giraffe <laughs> dance, and then a cricket tells it how to dance and it learns how it can dance. Anyway, okay, this is the question: What sound does a giraffe make? Um, I know that they have very long black tongues. Okay, I I don't think they make a sound. I really don't think they make a sound. I know that two male giraffes fight with their necks. If you want to tell your daughter that, I'm sure it probably a terrifier, but but I know. So I'll go like the giraffe goes blah, yeah. blah, 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 and fights with the neck. That's where the giraffe's gonna go. I could just do the Ray story of falling down. The giraffe goes Geronimo, <laughs> boom, and just you know eats it on the stage. No, that's I think you're right that from what we looked up, there's like no, no recorded sound, sound for giraffes to hear. We gotta make one up. It's like what does the fox say? You know what I mean? Like right. when people are like yip 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 yip, we can just make one up. We can make up a giraffe sound for ourselves. Um, Ray, you've done fantastically. I sprung this game on you. You've exhibited great knowledge. You've done the Lion King proud. I promise. Oh, no. um, I, in this, I wish I would have done better. 
You did very well, truly. Nobody does well in our games. It's really, I'm very a cruel taskmaster with, with the games. I would love to just end with a little bit of advice. If you're a young actor listening to this, you're 20, maybe you're still in college, you're just about to graduate, or you're maybe just starting to look at colleges, you're sort of beginning your career. What advice would you give for that longevity of a long career? If you're someone who goes, I want to have that 25, 30 year Broadway career, mm -hmm. what advice would you give to that young artist? You know, there's, there's no replacing hard work. I mean, there's no, I, I wish there was some secret formula where you could cheat and get to where you needed to be, but there's mm -hmm. no replacing hard work. There's absolutely no way that you can have a longevity in anything that if you're not strategic about how you work. And early on, mm -hmm. and I wish I could have told my 17, 18, 19 year old self um, to be a little more strategic about how I went about my career. You know, a lot of things fell into my lap, a lot of things that, you know, I had to work for, but there is, a, looking back now, I think that if I was just a little more strategic about how I network and, and specific about what I really wanted for my career, that um, mm -hmm. you know, probably things would have ended up a little differently, but but I I, I would, I would say to them that there's no replacing hard work, that your work ethic will get you everywhere, and, and to be very strategic about what you want and how you want to get there. You know, be very clear, you know, with what shows that you think that you might be right for, what, you know, what mm -hmm. companies you think you might be right for, and, and do your networking, do your homework, and... Um, yeah, that would be my advice. And what about that same question for, you mentioned a little bit of it, but for parents out there, if you're a parent listener of a young artist who's maybe just beginning this journey, or maybe, again, maybe someone who's already in college and you're going, oh God, they're going to graduate soon. How do I help? What, what advice would you give, maybe especially if parents like your parents didn't have tons of means where they can go, I'm going to buy them an apartment in New York City and help them out. How do you think they can best support their child if their dream is the, the performing arts? I think the parents are a huge, huge part of this formula. And I think one of the biggest things that parents can do that it's much more substantial than, than, than the money sometimes is, well, the money is important, but <laughs> much more substantial than the money sometimes is just the support. You know what I mean? Had I, my parents didn't understand it. You know, they didn't understand my career or my career choices, but the fact that they supported it and, and, supported my dreams. I think that's probably one of the biggest gifts you can give them. Um, and I think knowledge too. I, I think had I, um, you know, I, like I said earlier, had I been a little more strategic about how I, you know, my game plan, you know, being very specific about um, what I wanted to do and how I needed to go about getting to where I needed to go. Um, things might've been a little smoother, maybe. And I think mm -hmm. that parents too can help facilitate that, you know, you know, but n I think number one would be a strong support system because you're going to need it, especially in this career. It's crazy. Well, if people want to keep following you and your next podcast career with me, um, okay. where would they best do that? Um, is it, do you, do you have an Instagram, a social media? Do you want people on the website? How would you people want to uh, follow Rick? Absolutely. My Instagram is Ray Mercer five six seven eight. Go figure. Mm -hmm. And I also have a website. It's Ray Mercer Creative. Well, Ray, thank you for the time. This was such a joy. Charlie, have me back anytime. I'll be. I would love to come back. A wee I hope you enjoyed listening to Ray. I just found him to be such a delight and a next door neighbor, we discovered. I think right after we uh, we closed up the recording, we were like, oh my God, we live like three blocks away. So, so cool. Um, this is going to be a short and sweet takeaway, he says, before rambling on for 10 more minutes, I'm sure. You're all looking at the phone right now and being like, no, it's not that short. I see how much longer you're going to talk. Um, but I just want to echo the sage advice of there's no replacing hard work. 
I think this is such a glorious profession and I really love being a part of it, but I have seen nobody succeed without an incredible amount of hard work. I mean, maybe there are some exceptions in the TV and film world of child actors who hit it big and got pretty lucky maybe, you know, or if they're just so incredibly good looking and they were able to kind of ride a model-like career. Okay, fine, I'm not, I'm not saying literally nobody, but in my personal experience, I think even in those cases, there's at some point it evens out. If you're not able to put in the work, you won't build a sustainable career. And to make another sports analogy, which we love to do, and I know you've all been missing, um, this is incredibly true at the highest level of sport. Like, like with acting and musical theater, there's often a huge disparity in the God-given talent and ability that different people have. You know, if you're seven feet tall, it's gonna help you to play basketball. And some people are born with vocal instruments that allow them to sing in ways that no amount of work will allow others to achieve. But it is always, always about the right combination of talent and hard work, both in your areas of weakness and in the work it takes to maximize your strengths. You know, the difference between the amount of talent, let's say LeBron James has, you know, is enormous compared to the average person, but it's less big than you might imagine compared to some other professional players who flame out in a few years in the NBA with minimal impact. I mean, there have been dozens of like the next LeBron James in high school touted since he entered the league and none of them turned out to be him, right? The same is true with so many successful athletes today in all sports. That's just one example, right? One of their greatest talents, these superstar athletes, in almost all cases, is the ability to work really hard. That is a skill of will. Sometimes people separate skill and will. I like to combine them and say that will is itself a skill. And it is one that is so incredibly important to you in your career. I mean, when Ray talks about going to the gym five days a week, still taking classes, and going for a five-mile run before our 10 a.m. podcast recording, that is absolutely a huge facet of what enables him to have the career he has. Of course he has God-given ability. You know, the fact that he was such a good gymnast, some of that is of nature of it all, right? But the fact that he's able to work this hard is a huge part of what has made him, him so successful. And of course, it's important that you work smart and not just hard, right? You've probably heard the phrase that intentional practice, or some people say perfect practice, right, is way more valuable than like just going to the gym and putting up shot after shot if you're just kind of shooting with the same bad form again and again. But with all the advice and advantages you can have, right, even this glorious podcast that you've been listening to and gleaning tons of brilliance from, there's just no way in this field to replace working hard. You got to work smarter and harder in this business to achieve those lofty dreams. That's it. That's an episode. No segue needed. I've decided I'm making fun of myself because I'm like, I was like, speaking of dreams, speaking of, and I'm just going to make it the segue and move on from now on. Um, you want to hear more from us? You subscribe for it to us, right? Why don't you? You, you want to rate and review us? I'm not stopping you. you. Give me a nice little stocking stuffer of a kind review. That'd be nice. Five stars and tell me what you think so great about me after you've met, emailed us at mailbagamapnicoledition.com. Of course, if you're interested in working with MTCA for help with your individual prep, you can always check us out at mtca.nyc or follow us on all of our social media. To my young artists out there mapping their journeys, what do you think a giraffe should say? We'll see you next week. Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.